So I'm asking without getting too uh, emotional for you to listen to what I have to say today and next week. The last two times I'll be speaking with you. I'm going to try to put some order into the way things have happened. Some of you think this has happened really quick. The transition that's happening here at New Life, um, <clears throat> that couldn't be further from the truth. This has been planned by God for many years. God is not a knee-jerk God. He doesn't change things in the middle of the stream. He has had things planned. It's an ongoing plan that God has. And I've been blessed to be a part of that ongoing plan here at New Life. I have so many things to say. I've got about three hours worth of stuff to share in a few minutes. So I'm going to try to cram them all in here. But I want to share my heart with you, maybe more personal than I've ever gotten. But I want to share my heart of where this journey that God has had me on and you involved with that journey as well. Someone says, I cannot... I can act myself into believing quicker than I can believe myself into action. Think about that. I can act myself into believing quicker than I can believe myself into action. This walk that you and I are on, if it's not involved in faith, it's involved in fear. We don't, we're not sure where God is taking us sometimes, and we just have to walk by faith. I remember when I was called into the ministry... I was 17 years old, and I was called to preach the gospel as involved with a youth group, and our youth group was a um, Presbyterian church and a Methodist church, and we had a united youth group. That was interesting. And in between the two churches, we had a dance hall. It was a fellowship hall. We had Friday night dances. And they were dances. I mean, you know, booze and all kinds of stuff that was there. But that was the way things ran then. And so I, uh, I got elected as president of the youth group. And so uh, it was during that time when we weren't dancing, we were seeking the Lord, that God said, I've called you into ministry. I didn't know what to do with that. And through a series of events that happened in my home, um, I ran away from all that. When I was 26 years old, I rededicated my life, and God called me into the ministry. And uh, fast forward, here we are, 36 years later, and I'm standing before you ready to say goodbye. I realized that over the years, God has uh, placed me strategically in places for his purpose. I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Now, when I say I was apostolic, I in no way say that I'm an apostle. I had an apostolic call to go in and bring order to churches. My very first church that I came to had 15 people in it. Uh, And God spoke to us to go there. It was rather a quick decision. seemed like a quick decision on our part. I was a youth pastor, and and, uh, just in about three weeks of being asked to leave because I wanted to leave It's a long story, but I wanted to leave at the end of the school year because I was supervising the school, and the senior pastor said, I don't want you to wait that long. you got three weeks, and if you don't don't make the announcement that you're leaving, I will. And so the next week I made the announcement during during church, and my office was on this side of the um, sanctuary, made the announcement. There was about 25, 30 kids in the service that had no idea we were leaving. I was forced to make that decision had to take them in there and minister to them while uh, service was going on. That was rather tough. So we had to go from there. We went from there to this church, and there were 15 people there. And I think the building was built by a bunch of guys that just had a kegger and decided to throw some blocks up. I mean, it was the building was there wasn't a plumb or level place on the whole thing. It was a block building, and uh, it was filled with uh, rebar and cement. And so we had to drill holes in it and put uh, furring strips up and put siding on. After we were there about two years, we uh, gussied up the place, put a new porch on the front, and God began to bless and grow the church. We grew to quite a size, and, and that was right in the 90s. And the Spirit of God began to move, and I've always been a gatherer of pastors 
and that's what I was doing at the time. We were getting together and praying, and the Holy Spirit was moving. We even had Methodist pastors praying for people, and they were healed. So you can imagine that, Methodist pastors. In New York, which is another foreign country. But uh, we were... um, we were blessed to be a part of that, and we grew so much. And uh, we chewed carpet with people, uh, laid on the carpet, just cried out to God three nights a week till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. We carried people out of cars, out of the church, into their cars to get them home. I mean, the Spirit of God was powerfully moving. And so we, uh, I was on the carpet and looked at this other pastor that became a close friend. He said, why are we doing this separately? Let's do it together. I do not recommend what we did next. That was merging two churches together. Unless God opens the heavens and sticks his head out, never be involved with that again. But it was a good, it turned out good. And uh, so that church combined, and we had a huge, huge gathering there. And, and, uh, uh, and then the next church I was involved with was in Philadelphia, and I brought order to that church and school. We had a school, Christian school there as well. We were there 10 years. And then, uh, and then God called us to come to New Life. Now, when I came to New Life Church in uh, February of 2013, I actually spoke here in January and was here in three weeks. I mean, they said, we want you to come. And we packed, literally packed up in three weeks and was standing in Rochester, Indiana. Matter of fact, the first Sunday, I just came to listen because I wasn't ready to preach. How many remember that? How many were here remember that? And that, 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 was, that was a blessing. And God said, I brought you here for revival. Now, I've always been an organizer since I've been here. I've gathered pastors together, been involved heavily in the community. And by the way, before I forget, tomorrow night at 4.30, we're having the ribbon cutting for the youth center, 602 Main Street. You don't want to miss that. We're going to open up the youth center there. Um, come by and celebrate with us. Get a chance to walk through and see what the youth center is going to be about. And uh, we could use volunteers because we're going to be um, also partnering with the high school, um, allowing kids to come there and do um, distance learning. They're going to use our, our uh, offices there with the school. And so we're going to be very involved with them as well as feeding the community and having Bible studies there. So you'll want to come by. But anyway, been involved in that, was on the school board. And uh, um, I asked God why he brought me here for revival. And I shared this in the letter and shared before. But God said, revival is sitting in your church. See, because it's not about one or two people. It never has been about one or two people or a handful of people. It's been every one of us. Come on, somebody. And so that, that kind of thing is exciting to me. And I realize looking back, sometimes hindsight's twenty twenty, but I realize looking back that God has had me in three churches to organize and to carry some solidity in that church to move on. And I'm very excited to pastor such a mature group of people. You and I have had some journeys together. Our hearts have been shared. I've sat with many of you and wept and cried and laughed and prayed. And Many may think this transition to be a rather quick thing. Nothing could be further from the truth here. To you it might be a surprise. To the elders a little surprise. Until we were sure it was God, there was no need to tell anyone. Matter of fact, the third, about the second or third week, I can't remember if it was the second Sunday or the third Sunday, that I was here, I met John Hayes, who was standing back, I shook his hand. And as soon as I shook his hand, the Holy Spirit said, here is your replacement. You listening? Sure as I've heard God. And it was funny because I went home and I told Terry, uh, that guy, Jeff, uh, Jim, uh, who was that guy? She said, John. I said, God said John's going to be my replacement. I didn't even know who he was. And we prayed and Terry said, you better keep this to yourself and pray some more. Well, I did. I prayed for three years. 
didn't say anything to the hazes. Watched them grow. Watched them be involved. Watched them. Watched the anointing uh, come on, my dear brother. And then I began to encourage him along with someone else to go to school. He took the reins, went to school, and less than did four years of school online while working ten hours a day and raising a family. How many know? The call of God's on his life. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God is doing. And that I got the precious uh, years here to see something solid continue. And that I, I see revival, not only in the church, but in this community. I've been very involved in getting other churches together and getting other pastors together and praying for them and visiting them and encouraging them. I mean, I've even got a fundamentalist and a Pentecostal to like each other. And that's a miracle. But it's, it's also a very exciting thing. And, it, and we, we submitted it to our pastors, Pastor Jeff and Nancy Clark. We submitted it to them, told them what God was stirring in our hearts. Felt like maybe... I remember saying to people, this is the last place I want. I want to die in Rochester. I love Rochester. I love this church. I love this community. But God has other plans. How many know God has other plans? And God has plans for you to continue on to get set for the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. I believe that with all my heart. The greatest harvest and Someone, you know, I, I make jokes about it, but Jesus is lacing up his Nikes, getting ready to come back. Maybe not Nikes, maybe Asics. But he's getting ready to come back. There's a stirring. You could see things happening almost on a daily basis. Prophetic things coming to pass almost on a daily basis. It's an exciting time where at the same time we're seeing the kingdom of God be strong. The kingdom of God is coming alive. People like Sean mentioned, Mary Amarillo, are starting to encourage the body of Christ. There's some powerful words being spoken, and there's some powerful things being set in place even now. Even now. I think it's September 27th. uh, Franklin Graham is having a prayer in Washington, D.C. I'll be announcing it next week. The website is just going up tomorrow. And uh, they're going to meet and pray in strategic places in Washington, D.C. and end up on their knees in front of the Supreme Court calling on God for a revival. Uh, And they're expecting tens of thousands of people to be there. I encourage you to be there. I'm going to be there. We're going to go up on that Saturday and just, just pray. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. And so there's some tremendous, wonderful things going on. um, And... uh, I have spent these years doing as much training as I can. I don't think I've ever been in behind this pulpit without encouraging you as an individual to be all you can be in Christ. I don't think there's one time that I've never mentioned that at least once. And, and we've done our due diligence in obeying God. We've been through books verse by verse. Philippians, Romans, Acts, Ephesians, First and Second Timothy, First and Second Thessalonians. And, and it's been a training ground for us. We've watched God move in powerful ways at the altar. We've watched Him move in the pew. We've watched people be healed. Come on, somebody. And so we have, uh, we have encouraged you to read through the Bible, through the gospel and Acts. And we've repeatedly told you to prepare for what we are living right now. I told you the past two or three years, drastic change is coming. How many know drastic change is here? And I want to tell you just as clearly as I can, more change is coming. More change is coming. The end of this year and the first of next year is going to be some of the toughest times we'll see in this nation. Be a glorious time for the church. Be a toughest time that this nation has ever gone through. God told me revival, and I have lived, prayed, acted on, and pursued that very thing. I live for revival, pray for revival, need revival to come in my life. I've, I've pursued it and I'm hungry for it for as many years as I can remember. I believe we're here. Passing the mantle was God's intent. I have been ma- mentioning, by the way, for the last year and a half, passing the baton 
For the last 18 months, I've been speaking about that. Here we are. As Terry and I exit, we'll be available for John and the leadership at any time. Jeff and Nancy will as well. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2 this morning. 2 Kings chapter 2, a very crucial time in the history of Israel when Elijah was exiting and Elijah was coming on the scene. It was a very tough transition for Israel. It was a very tough transition for Elijah and even tougher, I can imagine, on Elijah. How would you like to feel Elijah's footsteps? Elijah was a man of purpose. Um, You didn't want to get Elijah on your wrong side. I mean, remember the story of him sitting on the mountain and the captain and 50 soldiers came and said, come on down, you need to go see Ahab. And he said, if I, man of God, come down. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down and burn you up. (laughs) 50 men no longer existed. Come on, do you remember the story? And then they sent 50 more. Man of God, come down. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down and burn you up. And then the third guy, of course, got there and said, he went with him. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 1, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal, And Elijah said to Elijah, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were were at Bethel came out to Elijah and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elijah, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Verse 5, now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. So we see the journey that took place. There's a reason why Holy Spirit dictated and and mapped out the direction that Elijah and Elijah took until Elijah's party. Each stop meant something in the spirit and means something to us today. And it helps me uh, with talking about transition time. They started at Gilgal, and Gilgal means a wheel rolling or a continuation. For Elijah to take Elijah's place, there needed to be synergy and a relationship. There needed to be something of a unity with them. Now, they were two different men. They weren't, Elijah was by no means a yes man. He wasn't Elijah's shadow, but he was Elijah's servant. They walked together for a time. Interestingly enough, Elijah served Elijah for six years. For six years. Tradition often says that when a pastor leaves a church, a church committee comes together and prays and seeks a replacement. That's what you all did here seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. Eight years ago, actually. That's not God's best. I realize it's tradition and churches do that, but it's not God's best. When I came, as much as I enjoyed everybody, and hopefully you enjoyed us, it took us about four years just to get to know one another. The DNA had to be processed. Blood transfusion had to take place. We came from a a 180-mile-an-hour area to a five-mile-an-hour area. I mean, you know, we came from a place where you made a decision, literally, I can remember in our church in New York, we made a decision to, uh, to uh, remodel, 
And I took a sledgehammer and busted out the back of the, behind the pulpit right after I said amen. We started tearing things apart. I mean, it just happened. And here, it's like, okay, you want to paint that wall? Let's talk about it. And uh, six months later, we say, okay, buy the paint. What color? Yeah, what color? But Elijah served Elijah for six years. It's not the best way to do what churches often do. Um, when I was in New York, I, I had uh, three men that I spent lots of time with. and Three men were very capable of taking over the church. And through a series of events that happened there, it was time for Terry and I to go. And we uh, set in a young man that was there that worked, uh, worked, as a, uh, worked in, a, in an office. I uh, forget what Dave did at the time. But anyway, he was uh, transferred in his office, and so there was a second one that took his place. Earl Darling took his place there. Earl was one of my elders at the church, and that was in 1997, 1996, He's still pastoring there. Uh, the church has prospered. They've started a church in Cuba. They've got six figures in the bank. Uh, they're very healthy, and uh, so got the DNA didn't need to take place there, and it prospered very much. Uh, when I was in Philadelphia, we established some leadership there as well. But Elijah and Elijah were very well uh, acquainted with one another. Elijah washed the hands of Elijah, and when it came time for him to go, Elijah knew what his job was. As a matter of fact, he grabbed the same mantle that Elijah dropped on his exit in the chariot, and he struck the waters, and he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? That was the last time that I know, at least in Scripture, that Elijah mentioned Elijah's name. It wasn't about Elijah, it was about the Lord God of Elijah. Come on, somebody. Elijah was a bold man that battled the spirits. He spoke God's words and his judgments. He spoke to Ahab and Jezebel. He called fire down on soldiers, as I said earlier, and he challenged and killed 850 prophets. Challenged and killed with the sword 850 prophets. How many know that's a day's work right there at the Brook Kidron? Elijah was not a man of boldness and he didn't call fire down from the sky. Elijah was more of a pastor and more of a shepherd. Um, he met with the widow and told the widow to get oil and fill all the oil, all the uh, um, uh, jars and things in her, in her home. The Shunammite woman that he met stayed with her and, and uh, uh, miraculously she birthed a son. The son died and Elijah went and raised his son from the dead. Uh, he purified the stew. He fed a hundred men miraculously. He healed Naaman's leprosy. Uh, the floating axe head he uh, called up and also blinded the Syrian army. Elijah means God the Lord, the strong Lord. And Elijah means the salvation of God. But they served together in, in a very, uh, very uh, tumultuous time in the history of Israel and served under six kings, Elijah and Elijah. But there was some establishment that took place. God is always in transition because you and I don't live forever on the earth yet. People come and people go, but the kingdom of God continues on. Come on, someone. People come and people go, but the kingdom of God is a continuation. Knowing that, knowing that in our hearts as we establish God's kingdom, we don't do it on personalities. If we do it on personalities or figures or ways of thinking, we hinder God's kingdom. How many times have we seen great ministries, even in our lifetime, where the head of that ministry died and the ministry died? You all had someone up South Bend, what, what's his name? Um, Dr. Summerall, Lester Summerall. What happened to his work? He didn't reproduce. 
No fault of his, a great man. Or maybe it was, I don't know. He's a great man of God. But it was built on a personality. Come on, someone. We need to build the kingdom of God on the Lord. The Lord God of the church. The Lord God of new life. The Lord God of Rochester. The Lord God of this nation. It's Him that endures forever. It's Him that has no beginning and no end. It's Him that we worship. It's Him that we bow down to. We are just conduits. We are just vessels to glorify the Lord. And it's a wonderful calling. It's a wonderful... We're on that day... Come on, on that day, we will rejoice. Colossians says we get to appear when He appears. We'll get to see the people that we've affected. People from all over the place coming and saying, thank you for your efforts. I remember when we were called uh, to go uh, out, we sent out, Sean and Ginger was talking about being sent out. We were in a little assembly of God Church. And man, I'll tell you, you need, you need to pray for a worship team and pray for the youth. Please continue to pray for that. But we got involved in this little assembly of God church. And well, I've told this story before. I hope I don't bore you. I'll try to make it quick. But um, we were in a church where uh, worship was tremendous. We, they had five guitars and a drummer and a sax and a trombone player. And it was just it was great. Man, worship was wonderful. And uh, through a series of events, God asked us to leave that church and go to a little assembly of God church in town. And um, the pastor's wife played organ, and the pastor led worship. He couldn't, he couldn't carry a tune if it had a handle on it. I mean, he sang, and it was, you know. And, and I cried, man. I said, God, are you sure you want me at this church? I mean, I don't want to be here. And so one Sunday... Uh, we were in worship, and this wasn't a song you danced to, and I just started to dance. I got excited about worshiping the Lord. And uh, got, got to talking to some people, and one guy could play guitar, and another guy could play drums, and a girl could sing. Pretty soon we started a worship team. We started to meet with some other couples in the community, invited them to come to church, and we took off. Just explosive. We had some worship and some, I mean, it was a mighty thing. And then God called us. God called 12 people out of that church of 120 to full-time ministry. 12 people out of that church are now still today missionaries, pastors, evangelists that have come out of that church that are still actively involved. Every one of us is actively involved in ministry. And Terry and I were the first ones to make that step. So everybody was watching. Now, how are you going to do this? I mean, we just knew God had called us. To, to leave and get get some uh, training and things. And so, uh, you know, we took the plunge. I remember opening our home and just giving stuff away. We said, we don't need this anymore. Boy, I wish we'd have thought that through. <laughs> you know, we, we were like uh, so in love with God, we just said, God will take care of us, which he did. I mean, we gave washer and dryer away and we did this. We sold a couple things, but just, uh, just take it. And, and we left that community with a six by eight, U-Haul trailer and two kids and uh, we uh, threw a mattress in the back a little baby mattress in the back and the kids sat on that now you talk about before car seats and stuff you know and I told the story but I remember couldn't get Terry Terry said I've got to have that rocking chair we had this really nice rocking chair Uh, and so uh, we couldn't get it in there we closed the doors and prayed opened it and it fit in there it was amazing but that's all we left with. And uh, so we kind of set the pace for the other 10 that would leave after that. And in the next two years, they lost five more couples. Ten people went into full-time ministry. But it was ascending fourth place. Can I tell you something about that church right now? They run over 2,000 people now. And they are affecting that community. That community is uh, the positive things that's happening out of that church is just tremendous. The pastor that's currently there has four or five pastors on staff. And it, it's a small community. It's not a large community. Indiana, Pennsylvania is where it is. And uh, isn't that neat? It's Indiana, Pennsylvania. But uh, it was because we were obedient at that point. Listen to me. We were obedient and sent out 12 people out of that little church. And then that, now that church is absolutely electrifying that area. 
God is building His kingdom in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Tremendous. I had a chance to go back there and visit a couple times. It's been, it's been wonderful. So the next place they went was Bethel. Bethel means an ancient place. It also means the seat of worship. And for them to continue on what God called them to do, both had to have a revelation of God, and indeed they did. John and, and Ashley have had a revelation of God. I have watched as they've grown in the Lord, and they both have had a relationship with God in a tremendous way. They've both seen God move in their lives. Little Gracie is proof positive that God indeed does speak. Louder and more accurate than doctors. The most important facet of any local church is its relationship with God. And the history of new life since the beginning has just been just that, relationship with God. When they stopped at Bethel, it, 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 was, it was crucial for them to understand what God was doing in their life. And I, I believe they both did. When, when Elijah said to Elijah, I'm not leaving you. Elijah kept giving him an out. You can get out now if you like. He said, I'm not leaving you. Elijah had learned his lesson in the cave. That's for a whole other message. The next stop on their journey was Jericho. And Jericho means a fragrant place. Anytime you mention fragrance, it's a sign of Holy Spirit. Both walked with Holy Spirit with gifts accompanying Elijah called fire down from the sky. Uh, Elijah saw miracles happen, fed a hundred people like Christ fed the thousands, and so on. New Life is a full gospel church that yields to the Holy Spirit. And I believe we're one of the only kind in this area that do so to the extent that we do. That doesn't mean we're any better than anybody. We just move in full gospel ways. And I encourage us to continue on that way. We had a little bit of trip here and there, lost a worship team and some other things. But I encourage you to keep moving in the power of the Spirit. I'm challenging you to pray for the seed and the song. We had a prophetic word that God was going to bless the seed, which is our young people, and the song, which is a worship team. Come on, church, pray a worship team in. Don't take, don't rest on your laurels. It's wonderful that we've got the tech, technical ability to have YouTube. How many know we need the guitar and the piano and the drums and the thing? And it's, that's, yes. Some of you may want to take some lessons. It can happen. But you need to stir yourself. This is an excellent time as transition is happening. You say, what's happening at New Life? How can I get involved? Get on your knees. Pray for God to bring somebody that wants to worship and lead worship. Pray for the youth in our church that continue to grow, the families that God is sending here. Pray. God, this, is, this need not be a step back, but a surge forward, see? Working with Holy Spirit as He works. God is establishing His church and getting us ready for a great move in our community. Listen. We'll miss you very terribly. But we know that God is in it for us and for you. We're excited for your next step. We went from bemoaning and weeping before the Lord to rejoicing before God because we see what God is doing. And it's okay for us to step out of the way and let Him do it. If we were to stay, we'd be disobedient. And we'd hold up what God wants to do. I never thought I'd be saying that because I love this place. I don't want to leave. And I threw some, uh, you know, I did a little bit of Gideon. Threw some fleeces out. Yeah. Can I just be honest? I threw some fleeces out. I said, God, you know, I'll put the house for sale. If it doesn't sell, I know it's not you. Two and a half days. Two and a half days the house is sold. Come on, somebody. And I said, no, that can't be. We set the price at a, at a, 
at, at, at market price, but I thought it's a little bit high and it's probably it's nobody. And I mean, somebody lowballed it a little bit. We came back just a little bit less and they said, okay. I thought it was going to be a struggle for a little bit. <laughs> Sold. I put fleece before God when we went down to visit my daughter. I said, we're looking at places and I hated every place that we looked at. Because I got this big house or I can shout and jump around and nobody bothers me and we're going to move into an apartment for a little while. And so I didn't like any apartments we saw and then a place we didn't even think about, we stopped to see it and I fell in love. So there we are. I said, God, if, you're not, if you don't really want us to go, there's some things that I was casting a fleece about my daughter and, and her family. Because, uh, you know, we just, uh, anybody, come on, somebody, you all know what family's like. And so <clears throat> I said, if she says these certain phrases, I'll know I'm supposed to back off a little bit. Man, she didn't. We've fallen in love with our kids again, and it's just going to be wonderful being half an hour away from them, by the way. Long enough, half an hour. <clears throat> Moving and having something to do with Holy Spirit, listening to what Holy Spirit is doing, because He has a plan that doesn't include serving us to our greatest desire. God will give us the desires of our heart, but He has a plan that we're involved with. And we find that the desires of our heart is more for the kingdom than what we are doing personally. Come on, somebody. I have a great relationship with many here in this community and many here in this church. I don't want to change that. I'm old. I'm set in my ways. I like my office where it is at the house, office where it is here. I like where I hang my towel after a shower. I like... We had two cats that we had to get rid of. And man, I, I, I was a baby. We got rid of the second... The one found a new home, uh, I think. But the, but the other one, we had to take to a shelter. And they're going to give them a good home. No, no worries there. But man, I wept like a baby. For a cat. So I'm not, I'm not really into change as much as I thought I was. I think it was said earlier, change is the only thing that's constant. Change happens all the time. I want to talk to you as a pop today. None of us are promised tomorrow. We're not. People get old and we all got to exit. But stay passionate for the things of the Lord. Stay passionate for what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. And you and I are on a need-to-know basis. We just are. I know we made the announcement a couple weeks ago. I heard people say, well, we didn't know anything about it. You're on a need-to-know. We needed to make sure that it was God speaking. God is in this. And it's exciting. It's, it's tremendously exciting. We've had some confirmations along the way, and I know you have as, as well. The next stop, the last stop that they made was at the Jordan. Jordan means to flow down or descending. Um, And because of their obedience, Israel was restored. They were hearing from God clearly. There was a flow from heaven into Israel by means of the godly kings that served and also the prophetic word through Elijah and Elijah. And as I said, God used them through the reign of five kings. You know, when Elijah was ministering, he set the pace for the nation in these ways. Number one, he exhibited the power of God. Elijah exhibited the power of God, and I in no way am comparing anyone to Elijah. I want to say, while we were here, we were overjoyed to see the power of God moving in this room and in this community. How many were at the Easter service last Easter at the high school? Could you ever imagine anything like that happening? Feel the Spirit of God there. Come on, someone. 
I've actually been able to talk to other pastors about the moving of the Holy Spirit and healings. Fundamentalist pastors. Come on, somebody. God is on the move, and power is being established in our community and getting ready for, as I said, a tremendous move of God. He established also, Elijah established the one true God at Mount Carmel. If there were any questions before that event, they were all answered when the fire of God came down out of the sky and burned up the altar, burned up the sacrifice, licked up the water. Come on, someone. Do you remember what Israel said? The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I'd have hated to have been. You talk about losing a position. Could you imagine being a prophet of Baal right after that fire licked up the... Ah, yeah, but uh, our God was sleeping. He's, he's, give us another chance. I am tremendously blessed to have served with the quality of men and women that I've had in leadership here. But as sure as I am, listen to me very carefully, as sure as I am that God sent me here in 2013, I know God spoke to me before I ever saw any of your faces. I saw some of your faces on the, uh, what was it called at the time? Skype. Skype. Yeah, the Skype only worked half the time. So we had to finish our conversation on the phone. Before I saw anybody else, God spoke to me and said, I'm sending you here. I'm sure of that. I'm sure that I heard the voice of God. That's as sure as I am that John and Ashley are to be here. And I know they're that sure. And I know as you pray, you'll hear God as well. Yes, there'll be transition. Yes, there'll be a time. Yes, there'll be a time of kind of feeling our way through. There's different roles that people have to take. You're actually going to have to step up and take some roles that can't be filled right now because full-time and, and, and bivocational and all of that. That's okay. God's worked all that out. People make mistakes all the time. The worst mistake we can make is when God calls, and we know that God called us to do something, then we begin to pray, God, will you provide for me when I go there? God, will you provide? That's a lack of faith. Because if God called you, God will provide for you. Always. Always. I remember sitting down with a friend of mine when I was called first time into ministry at 125 a week with wife and two kids and car payment. And he sat down and said, okay, what are you going to make and what's your bills? He said, you can't live. You got to give your kids away or something. You just can't. You just can't live. Sit down and work the bottom line. I mean, what are you talking? $500 a month. Anybody there? But I said, I know God called me to do this. We went on the call. I can't tell you the miracles. I can't tell you the miracles that happened there. If I started to tell them, I'd be here all day. That happened there. I mean, people say they're broke. We were broke. We were so broke we couldn't pay attention. We turned couches over and shook them out for coins. Am I telling the truth? Where God calls, if God says so, He'll provide so. Many of you that are sitting here have gifts and callings that will be stirred up to help what's going on at New Life because God is calling you to do it. If you're putting on a whole vision on one or two people or a group of people, you're missing God anyway. The vision doesn't have to do with two or three people. It has to do with each and every one of us and what our role is in combining what God is doing with what's needed in the community, with what's needed in the church, and we begin to see order take place. And by God removing, it's not punishment. By God removing, it's not missing. So he said, well, uh, well, this is not God. Of course it's God. And I want you to pray. And I want you, don't take my word for it. Go to God. I'm just as sure you'll hear from God what we've been hearing from God. And I know about change and about goodbyes. I hate long goodbyes. I'm just a guy, you know. I love you all so much. 
it's going to be hard to say goodbye, but it's, it's the ongoing, and we'll be back as long as you invite us. I mean, we'll be back to say hello. We're not going to be that far away. Um, but God sent me here to establish and confirm the power of God in the ongoing vision of New Life Church. That's so important to this region. I believe this will be a regional hub. I believe it will continue to be um, apostolically uh, affecting this community and this region and this area. You and I have searched the scriptures with excitement. We've talked about body, soul, and spirit. We've prayed warfare prayers. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about who we are in Christ. My very first message that I ran across while packing that I ever spoke here was our identity in Christ. Identity crisis is what I spoke on. Now's the time for you to take all that training that's happened in the last seven years and activate it. Get behind the leadership. Get behind the elders and the pastors here and, and, and encourage them and move forward and watch what God does. People aren't even here that God is going to send to establish and, and, and gifts that, are, that have been sitting dormant in you will become alive. Visit one another. Pray for one another. People that you haven't seen for a couple of weeks and say, I ain't going back to that church, man. They don't know what they're doing. Call them and say, man, God is on the move at new life. It's not about personalities. It's about the Lord God. You have wonderful men, mature men of God. One that's retired, by the way, Cam. So he's got all kinds of time. You can call him anytime. <laughs> he doesn't work second shift anymore. So if you want to call him at midnight, go ahead and call him at midnight. It's okay. <laughs> He's teaching schools, uh, teaching Sunday school, I think, isn't he? Cam, you're not in here, are you? Yeah, c- call him anytime. He's retired. He can handle it. You got Danny and, and, and Holly. I mean, Danny will take a call anytime. Prophetic, prayerful, call him. Steve and, Steve and Joanne are here. John and Ashley. I mean, you, you have got a common. I am honored to have served with the quality We've been along, around a long time in the body of Christ. This, this church has been primo and will continue to be because of the love that we have for one another. One of the things that marks new life is the love and respect that we have for one another. That's going to continue. That's going to continue. But you get behind the vision, pray, and if you hear something different, you say, these people have missed God 100 miles. I'm wondering who you're praying to. I just am. I just am. John and Ashley are young people. They'll attract young people. I'm officially old. I guess after 65, you could call yourself old instead of older. I'm old. So we've got young people that, and we've got to believe for this next generation, guys. This next generation is absolutely lost. Lost. Have no idea where they're going. They're like adrift on an ocean of mediocrity. They need purpose. They need direction. And very soon, mark my words, before the end of the year, very soon, many are going to say, what do I do? What can I do? Because it's all going to blow up for this end of this year. Things that they trusted. Things are going to be revealed. God is only going to take so much. He says, I'll expose your nakedness. That's going to happen this year. People will be aghast at what the end is for some people that have enjoyed power these last three or four years. On both sides of the aisle, I'm not talking politics. I'm just talking leaders that are going to be exposed all over the place. The fulfillment of revival prophesied for years here at New Life, it will come to pass. And Terry and I have thanked God so much for being part of this process. We are. And uh, we just love you all so much. Love you all so much. 
Next week, there's going to be a second part to this passing the mantle that I'll be talking about. And then the 30th, when I'm with you, I, I, uh, Cam's going to speak. I'm just going to be a part of you guys just kind of hugging on you. Terry and I, that'll be our last Sunday with you. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy on your people. Lord, there's many feelings that we have right now. You know them better than we do. You know our emotions and what they're going through and our determination, maybe our lack of understanding. Father, you know all of that. Holy Spirit, you know us better than we do. And so, Father, I ask you right now to minister to each and every one in the room. God, of your purpose and your plan, Maybe people came today and said, I just came from church. I'm not talking about vision and purpose, but Lord, you're going to pour vision and purpose into each one. I know you are. God, I thank you for that. And I thank you for your plans that you have for New Life Church and that you have for Rick and Terry Smale. God, you're on the move. You know what you're doing. Lord, we've followed you all these years, sometimes without any idea what you were going to do next. But Father, you've always been faithful, Lord. You've always been faithful. You place your faithfulness above your name. Lord, you place your faith. Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful for you cannot deny yourself. So Father God, I thank you for what you're doing and the ongoing anointing. I pray for Pastor John and, and Ashley Hayes. I pray for this transition that they're going through and the questions that they're asking. I remember when you called me in the ministry, the questions, God, how, God, how is this going to take place? How are you going? And Lord, we are continually continuing dependence on you will never grow less. It will always grow more. We're dependent on you. And I pray for the Hayes family that you would make them even more dependent. And Father, that we as a church would come around pastor and lift his arms up, God. And Lord, believe that you're going to do what you're going to do. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise for all you do. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.